Hello, and welcome to the Art of Selling Online Courses. We're here to share winning strategies and secret hacks from top performers in the online course industry. My name is John Ainsworth, and today's guest is Keith Perhack. He's a marketer, developer, and founder of Segmetrics. After running a successful marketing agency, he became frustrated with the time sink and limitations of existing reporting tools. So he launched Segmetrics in 2015 to bring accurate attribution metrics to all marketers. So today we're going to talk about why you should care about segmentation and attribution, how to use it to understand your customers so you can sell better and make the people who do convert stay on longer. Keith, welcome to the show. John, thanks for having me on. I'm excited. So it sounds so much more impressive it. when you say my bio than when I say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always listening to the, when people introduce me, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did stuff, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> you don't include in the bio anything that you screwed up along the way. It's just like, exactly. well, all of my mistakes, exactly. but ignore those. All ones. of the mistakes, all my things that I'm constantly worried about, those don't go in the bio. So I feel much better about myself. <laughs> So talk us through why should people care? Why should people care about segmentation and attribution? That's it's a good question. And I think that the problem is most people don't care. They don't care until they have to. And that's really the problem that we see, which is that, you know, when everything's going well and everything's going rosy, no one's caring about segmentation or like what's going on under the scenes or any of this stuff. They're really just looking at all the money coming in, right? And at the point where the money stops coming in and it stops being easy and you, you're you over that honeymoon period, that's when people start saying, well, why am I not growing? And at that point, it's kind of too late, right? You should have been getting all this data all along so that you can understand the trends and what's going on. Otherwise, you're just starting from scratch as soon as things go bad. So that's why you should care about it or one of the reasons you should care about it. And the other reason is that, you know, I talk about that all customers are not created equal. All leads are not created equal. All people on your list are not created equal. You have people on your list who are really resonating with your message and who are going to pay you a lot of money. You have people who don't give a flying flip about it and they're never going to convert. And do you know what separates those people one from the other? And that's what segmentation really is about. It's about uncovering this hidden revenue, these hidden profits, these the people in your list that are valuable compared to those that aren't. Have you ever seen the 80-20 curve tool from Perry Marshall? Yes. Yes. Was that Perry Marshall originally who did 80-20? Well, I mean, Richard I, Koch wrote a book. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But then yes. Perry Marshall put together this tool, 8020curve.com, which is genius, which basically you put in this many people have made me this much money. I'm thinking of making an offer that I'll sell for this much. How many people do you reckon will buy it? And it mm -hmm. shows you using the 8020 curve. And it does it in a very, very geeky engineering style way because it's Perry Marshall and that's his style, <laughs> right? Because you know? <laughs> he's an engineer. But you can put in there and you can actually see, like most course creators that we work with are selling lower ticket items. So they might be selling something for like 99 bucks, 200 bucks, 500 bucks, something mm -hmm. in that kind of range, right? And let's say you've sold... You know, 4,000 of the $99 offers, how many you can put in there and see how many of those people would actually spend $5,000 with you, which most people don't even realize that that's the thing. But when you're talking right. about the segmentation and breaking it down like that, some of your customers are worth a hundred times more than other customers. Right. And some of your prospects will never spend anything with you. And some will spend, you know, will become this massive, like for us, our biggest clients our average customer lifetime value with our biggest clients is about $350,000. Mm -hmm. 
And then the smallest ones we've got is like a thousand. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. if you just sold the same one thing to everybody, <laughs> you're missing out on a lot of money, you know? Right. Well, they talk about that with price tiering, right? You should always have three tiers of your pricing, one to get the lower end, one to get the middle end, and then one to set that price anchor that's 10x the price of your lowest one. And that does two things. One, it price anchors so that the cheaper one doesn't seem, even though it's expensive, doesn't seem that expensive, right? If you have a $100 product versus a $10,000 product, doesn't feel as expensive anymore, right? And the other one is some percentage, usually about one or 2% are going to buy that really Mm. expensive version, right? And then you just upsold all that revenue right there. What's wrong with, let's say people have currently got Google Analytics installed. They're probably not using it. They probably don't know what to do with it, but what's like, maybe some of those are the big problems. Those are the two big ones. (laughs) (laughs) Not, Not using it, not understanding it. And that's not really a dig on anyone because- I don't use it as much as I should because it's a really hard program to use. It's very complicated. It's very data centric. And for course marketers, it's not what we need. And what I mean by that is if you're building an online course, if you're selling anything with a nurture sequence, most of your marketing and most of your engagement with your list up to that sale is not happening on the web right? It's happening on computers, it's happening in email, it's happening in webinars, it's happening in downloading PDFs, all of these things that are very user centric. Mm-hmm. And Google Analytics is bad at two things. One, they are bad at seeing things that are not done by a browser, right? So they're very good at seeing how many people landed on a web page. They're very bad at seeing how many people looked at an email or attended a webinar. The second thing they're really bad at and on purpose is they don't identify users. If we're looking at marketing a nurture sequence, that's literally what we want to do. We want to make sure that when Sarah comes into our funnel, that we watch Sarah through that entire funnel and we see everything that Sarah does during that funnel. And because Google Analytics is tracking a web browser, it means that when Sarah switches devices or Sarah comes back the next day or Sarah does something else on maybe a school computer or something like that, they don't know who that is. There's no way to track that. And they actually prevent you from sending in information like an email address that would identify that person. So Google Analytics is very good for top of funnel understanding of how many people are coming to your site, how long are they on your site, stuff like that, but very bad at any sort of nurture campaign, which is really as a course creator, what we want to focus on because people do not land on a website and buy a $500 product the first time they see it. No, very rarely. Yeah. And this is like, that's one of the things that we spend lots of our time working with people on is, okay, you need to get these guys onto your email list and then you need to send them useful content over a long period of time. And then you appoint them through to a sales page and then they might go by, you might send them a webinar as well and all these kind of things. But yeah, like you say, Google Analytics can't track that whole process of, okay, they signed up for the lead magnet and six months later they bought. Right. Exactly. And some of the more important things that you look at, and one of the things that I love talking about is segmentation. And we kind of talked about that at the beginning, which is understanding which of your customers and what are the unique things about your customers that make them convert. And that's something, again, does not happen on the web. It's something like when they opt in for for your initial lead magnet, what are they opting in for? Did they answer a survey? Did they click a link that says, yes, I'm in this segment or that segment? Let me kind of get specific because I think it helps clarify. We were working with a client who dealt with freelancers. They were talking about how freelancers can increase their um, rate, how they can become more effective freelancers, how they build a freelancing business, et cetera. 
And within freelancers, you have a number of different segments, right? You have a number of different types of freelancers. You have copywriters, you have designers, you have developers. And all of these different pillars, all of these different segments convert differently based on the messaging. Your messaging for a designer is not going to convert the same as messaging for a copywriter, is not going to convert the same as for a developer. So what are the conversion rates of each of those segments as they go through a funnel? So let's take, let's take another example. Let's say that we have a nurture sequence that converts at 50%, which I think you'll agree is the best convert, uh, nurture sequence we've ever had in our lives. And <laughs> if 50% of leads are turning into customers and paying us hundred to $500 a piece. Awesome. We're just printing money at that point, mm -hmm. but we're looking at a top level number of 50%. So let's break that down by copywriters and designers. So we look at our conversion rate for copywriters. It's 100%. Okay, so our designer conversion rate is 0%, which means that even though we have this great conversion rate on the funnel, we're actually wasting half of our audience mm -hmm. because none of them are converting. And if we look at that top level number, we don't see that. But mm -hmm. if we look at who is coming through our funnel. And that may be copywriters versus designers. It may be men versus women, maybe age. It may be geographical location. There's all these different things based on your business that can affect that conversion rate. And it's really understanding what are the biggest blockers or the biggest signals to conversion that we can find within our audience. I suspect that quite a few of the people listening, everybody will understand, I'm sure the concept here, but how do you actually put that into practice? Like, how does that work? Because I can see that seeming very overwhelming. It seems very overwhelming, but I think it's very, I won't say clear cut, but I think it's more straightforward than people think, because I think a lot of people listening to this are like, oh, I'll give them a survey. No one likes surveys. No one's going to like a survey. But you can always hide a survey with a carrot, right? You can hide a survey with an action. And they say actions speak louder than words. And if you ask someone something, you're going to get one answer. But if you look at what they do, nine times out of 10, you're going to get a different answer. And so what we like to do when we're looking at how do we segment people is we look at the landing page that they came from. So let's go back to the freelancer example. We have three landing pages that we're running ads to, that we're running all this stuff to. The Get Started Guide for Designers, the Get Started Guide for Copywriters, and the Get Started Guide for Developers. So which one did they opt in for? Well, now we know which funnel they're they're going in. We know which segment and we know which funnel we should put them in and we can track them now through the entire funnel. We put a tag on them, we're good to go. But And then we can do that further down the funnel. So maybe we go down a little bit more and we say, hey, we have this interview with someone who is living in Kansas, who was able to, in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, who was able to 10X their business. If you're interested in that, click here. Or if you're interested in someone in New York City who was able to do the same thing, click here. And we're starting to see that people are going to click on and be interested in the information that applies to their uh, situation, right? And so we can slowly start to see over time what their demographic is, what information they have. One client that we were working with did a little pop-up on the side of their site that says, hey, we want to give you the best content available. Are you looking to start a business or are you looking to grow your current business? And that gave us huge amount of information. It's like, okay, are people looking to start? 
do they already have a successful business that they're looking to grow? And then how do those convert down that funnel? Okay. And then how does Segmetrics work? Because that's the tool you built to try and deal with the problems that you were facing. What's the parts of this process that it helps with? Yeah. So really, I mean, if anyone is monitoring this kind of stuff, usually what they're doing is they're going into ConvertKit or Infusionsoft or Entreport or whatever, exporting all the contacts, exporting all the tags that those contacts have, exporting the custom fields, and then exporting how much revenue each person generated, and then doing a pivot table on that. So they're saying, okay, how many people did I have with this tag? This is the number. This is how much revenue they generated. Okay, next tag. This is this tag. This is how many people, blah, blah, blah. This is it for last week. This is it for this week. This is it for next week, blah, blah, blah. So essentially a lot of Excel spreadsheets, a lot of pivot tables. And what we do is we pull that data natively. So we pull that data straight out of Entreport, ConvertKit, whatever. We have all the timestamps that everything happened. We combine that with the web data, just like Google Analytics. And then we do all those questions in real time. So you can go into Segmetrics and say, what is the value of a copywriter on my nurture sequence for the last 30 days? What is it for a designer? What is it for a developer? Then ask a little bit deeper, where did they come from? Okay, so from our copywriters, which we see converted 100%, we see that 50% of those come from Facebook and 20% come from Google Ads and the rest come from Google Organic. And we see that the Google Organic ones are the ones that are converting at 80%, whereas Facebook and Google are are converting only at 20%. So stuff like that. So we can start, you know, when you're doing it and looking at segmentation data manually, it's pretty easy if you're looking at one point, if you're looking at copywriter, designer, developer. But as soon as you start putting other things into the mix and you start asking questions like, well, okay, we see that copywriters are doing well, but what's another thing that makes them do well? right? What's another piece that we can look in there? Or we know that designers don't do well. Where are they falling off? When do they stop going through that nurture sequence? Is it on the first email? Is it on the webinar? Do they not like the webinar? Do they get on the webinar and leave after five minutes because we're talking about copywriting the whole time, mm -hmm. right? Like where is the fall off point for this segment within the funnel? I feel what it is, which is once you identify a segment, then you optimize a funnel as if that segment was the entire funnel. And just like you'd optimize any funnel where you start looking through and you start looking for holes, you say, okay, designers, we know they convert at 0%, but let's, they open up email one. They like it. They open up the webinar invite. They like that. They register for the webinar. Awesome. So we have a good um, flow there. Everyone drops after 10 minutes on the webinar. That means they hate the webinar. So what's our choice? Well, we're going to create a new webinar specifically for designers and figure out, maybe we put a bad joke in there. Like what's the difference between a designer and a cello or something like that, right? Like something is making them really dislike us on this webinar. How can we change that to make them like us and continue down that funnel? And what Keith just explained there is a very, very important concept that most people don't get. So on a hammer on this, in order to try and actually improve a funnel, what you don't do is just look at it as a whole. You break it down into small individual steps. So let's take a simple example, like you're sending out an email promotion. People are going from the email promotion to a sales page, to a checkout page. They might buy the order bump, they might buy the upsell. Most people just look at how many people did I send the email to and how much money did I make? But what you can do is you break it down to how many people opened it, how many people clicked on it. Of the people who clicked on it, 
did they all go to the sales page did they drop out was there you know is it the same number who actually made it all the way there or was the page loading slowly and people dropped out how many then got through to the checkout page the ones who got to the checkout page how many bought how many then bought the up order bump the upsell so first thing is to understand that if you break it down like that you can start and you know the benchmark data for each stage you can start to look at okay what step is not working if you know a checkout page to have a conversion rate of between 12 and 18% generally on average, ideally you want above 12, above 20. And if you're really smashing it, you get close to 50. If you know that, then you go, okay, I've got 16, 17%. So, okay, that's, that's about, that's okay, that's decent. You're all right on that one. What Keith's talking about is how do you take that to an even more advanced stage of like within that, which segment of people did which thing within that, which is like, that's levels beyond, I think. Is that, I've understood properly. Is that yeah. what you're saying about? 100%. Yeah. 100%. And it's because, you know, just like you don't want to look at your entire funnel at a glance and say, okay, I have a 50% conversion rate on the funnel. You want to look at each step. You want to do the same thing with segments. So once you understand each step, you want to then break down each of those steps by segment and say, okay, how do these types of people, this subsegment of my audience go through that. And that's how you improve and build a business. And when is it worth doing it? And when is it not? Because there's a thousand things that you can work on when you're running your course business right. and you can't do all of them first. So how would you decide, let's say you've got these numbers, you've got, you know, you've got your funnel, you've got the copywriters uh, converting at much higher percentage than the designers. How do you know if it's worth doing something with that? Does that make sense as a question? Yeah. You know, I generally look for outliers and holes is how I kind of think about it. And the first one, so if you've never done any segmentation with your audience before, I would start with who, and this is kind of a, a mental exercise, is who are my customers? What are the big two to three pillars that are my customers, right? Are they copywriters and designers? Are they professionals and standard consumers? Like, are they prosumers? Let's say we have a video course. Are they beginning YouTubers? Are they intermediate? Are they advanced? Like pick something. You don't have to do a lot. And when I see people fail, it's because they try to do everything at once. Pick one, mm -hmm. pick one thing that you think would be good to break up your audience and then look at your data and say, okay, let's look at the, our funnels for the last three months. Each of those segments, do we see any holes? And just because it's a very simple thing to start with, it's and it's a very simple thing that lets you initially start looking at, do we have holes? And if you don't see any holes, you really don't have to do anything with that. And then you go on to the next segment. You look at a different thing. It's like, what about traffic? Is it Facebook traffic versus organic traffic versus Google traffic? Do we have any holes there? Do we see anything that is doing really well for one or really poorly for another? And that's once we see that difference, that's when we jump in and we say, okay, this is what we want to stride and optimize. And so at that point, let's say you found it's doing really well for one segment and really badly for another. Do you create a different version of the funnel for that segment? I generally do. Doing badly for? Okay. Yeah. What I do is I generally create just a direct copy of that, the existing funnel, and then I tweak it. And I look at that funnel. I see, okay, this is where they're starting to fall down. So they don't like email number three. Let's rewrite number three. You know, you think about cost performance as well, right? Rewriting an email, super easy. Re-recording an entire webinar, a little bit more difficult. So do the things that are really easy at the beginning, different emails, maybe change copy on the sales page or the landing page or something like that, and then work towards things that are more difficult, like new webinars or stuff like that. You want to be able to be fast rather than 
you want to make it perfect the first time because you want to see that what you're doing is having an impact and then you can take that and go further with it. The way we break this down for people, I'm trying to think about how this all kind of connects together. The way we break it down is we start with what's the step that is furthest from the benchmark. So a step that Mm -hmm. is on the critical path. So let's say someone's got to go from getting the email to opening it and then clicking it and then getting to the sales page and clicking through to the checkout page and then buying. So if they could drop out any one of those stages and you lose the sale. So if you know that, okay, a good open rate is, let's say, you know, if you're at 20, 25%, that's fine. 30% is really good for your open rate. Okay. If you've got something in that ballpark, fine. If you know the click-through rate from the sales page, the checkout page though is at 7% and it should be at like 25%. It's like, okay, that's where we can see that we've got- That's your first hole. Here. Yep. Okay. Would you then combine that with, let's say you've identified that step in the funnel as the issue. Mm-hmm. Would it generally make sense to then combine that with segmentation at that stage? I'm wondering. 100%. You think so? Okay. Yeah. And especially, I hate always focusing on sales pages first because that's where a lot of people go to. But just like you said, you want to go actually further up the funnel. Where's the first hole? Because if you're only getting five people on the sales page, it doesn't matter how much you optimize it, right? Mm. But let's use the sales page because it is a good example. If I was to take that and segment and segment it, and let's go back to designers and copywriters, I would change out the testimonials on that sales page. I would change out anything that is generic of your freelancing business. I would change it to be your copywriting or your designing business and just go full hog into just putting those keywords into the sales page and making sure the testimonials match and everything is very branded around that pillar. There was a great example a number of years ago about a lawyer who had put together a pack of how to start your all the legal documents you need to start a business, right? Really crappy sales. And so what he did was he created a landing page for each vertical. He said, all of the documents you need to start your dental practice, your copywriting practice, your freelancing practice, your blah, blah, blah practice, right? A skateboarding shop, whatever. And conversions went through the roof because when you land on that page, you see all the documents you need to start your dental practice. And you compare that against all the documents you need to start your business. Well, which one are you going to choose if you're a dentist? You're going to choose the dental one because even though the end product is the same, you don't know that, mm-hmm. right? You're seeing a web page that's talking specifically to your pain points. And so that's what. I would do with the segmentation because, and that's what segmentation really gets you is the ability to talk to your audience in the words that they understand because you're able to funnel them to those correct pages. It's not just about knowing that designers don't convert as well as copywriters. It's about taking that knowledge and then crafting an experience and an engagement to that audience that speaks directly to them. So to play devil's advocate here, what about the downsides to doing this such as let's say it's a sales page right you've got a sales page it's not converting great and you know that one segment is converting worse than another now you could write a new version of the current sales page that changes testimonials what have you but it might be that your sales page overall sucks and you'd be better off spending time going and working with a copywriter to just overall write a better sales page Maybe your headline overall, whether it speaks to either segment, just doesn't speak to anybody because it's bland and it just tells you the name of the course instead of any kind of benefit. How would you go about figuring out which one to do in that situation? I think it has to do with the outliers because 
So let's say that if your sales page converts horribly across the board, then yes, you need to probably rewrite your entire <laughs> sales page. Right. But if you have a segment that converts really well and a segment that converts really poorly, mm -hmm. then you know, okay, it's not the copy overall, it's the specific messaging. Mm -hmm. But even if you were to completely overhaul the entire sales page, you can use that segment information to better talk to the audience when you do that overhaul, right? So if you see things like, okay, 90% of designers get to this point or 90% of cold traffic gets to this point, then we know what type of people and what experience those people are having when they hit the sales page and we know who to talk to. We actually do this at Segmetrics a lot because we have three or four main pillars. We work with SaaS companies, e-com, info products slash coaches and agencies. And so we have very specific, when someone starts their trial, they let us know which industry they're in because it customizes their experience with the product. And we track how different people use the software and the services we provide. And what we find out is that people in agencies, info products, and SaaS really like getting on our kickstart calls. They like the VIP handholding. Ecom people hate it. They will not get on a call. <laughs> Some of them do the larger brands and whatnot, but most Ecom, because a lot of them are dropshippers, do not want to get on a call. They want to figure it out themselves. They're used to just jumping in, doing some stuff, and then getting out. And they don't have a good experience because we did not have good do-it-yourself stuff set up for them. So right. we identified this hole of, okay, our ecom, we have tons of ecom coming in. Their conversion to paid is horrible. And why was that? Well, we broke down that funnel and we said, oh, wait a minute no one's getting on these calls. If someone gets on a call, they have a 98% conversion rate to customer. But the e-com people, no one's getting on the calls. So of course they're not converting to customer. Mm. So how do we, what can we then provide them in a do-it-yourself way in order to get them the same information without having them to get on a call, which they obviously hate? Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So if somebody's interested in this and they're like, well, this sounds amazing. I want to actually be able to go through all of this. Can you talk us through how Segmetrics works in terms of how does it pull that data in? Do you, does ActiveCampaign or ConvertKit get the data and then you collect it from them or are you collecting data the same at the same time as they are? How does that work? It's a little bit of both. So we collect the data directly from all of the systems you're using. So we'll connect to your active campaign, we'll connect to Stripe, we'll connect to Facebook and Google and all that stuff. And we pull that data natively. Mm -hmm. And that means that if you tag someone in active campaign, we'll have all those tags in Segmetrics. And that's important because it is a direct native connection. There's never going to be a browser that didn't fire a pixel. Right. Mm -hmm. There's never going to be an ad blocker that stopped you from seeing that someone got tagged or attended a webinar. Everything in your marketing systems are in Segmetrics. Mm -hmm. And then we combine that with our own pixel tracking, which would be the same thing as like a Google Analytics pixel. And that lets us connect what the people are doing on the web before they become a lead mm -hmm. and after as well to the actual person in your marketing system. And that's one of the real benefits that we have over something like Google Analytics is that because we have this sole source of truth of Sarah in your marketing system, when Sarah clicks on an email, we've identified that device as belonging to Sarah. When Sarah goes to this webpage, we know that's Sarah. So there's none of this, oh, she changed her browser so we don't know who she is anymore. We know that it's Sarah because mm -hmm. she's interacting with that marketing system. 
So are you then sending that back to Active Campaign or ConvertKit so that they know what email to send or? No, we don't currently. Yeah, we try to stay on the reporting side. We do some things like pushing back to Facebook and Google for the offline conversions and stuff like that. But we do try to stay read only with the marketing systems. And that's mainly for security reasons. We don't want to ever write anything to your systems that you did not authorize. We consider your marketing systems to be sacrosanct. And what we're doing is we're pulling all that information aggregating it, tying it all together so that you can come into Segmetrics and say something like, okay, how many people did this thing yesterday? And how many of them turned into a customer? Mm -hmm. And then where did they come from? And just ask those questions in real time instead of having to pull all that data through all the reports, exports, and all that stuff. It's really about speed, I think, because you know we built this when we were at the agency. When we were an agency, we were a conversion rate optimization agency. And it would take us five hours to build any of these reports. And when it takes five hours to build a report, don't do you it. don't build them very often, <laughs> right? Like we built them once a week for our clients and that was it. But we didn't ask additional questions because it took so long to build the report. If it takes us five hours to ask one question, we're only going to ask one question, especially if we have 20 clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What Segmetrics does is I can ask those questions in 12 seconds. And I can then say, well, what about this part? And I can ask another question based on that data, based on what we just saw. And it makes the information we have exploratory. We're not asking a question, getting an answer and being done. We're asking a question and then playing off of that and starting to see, okay, we have a 50% conversion on this funnel. Who's converting? Who's not? Break it down by industry. Oh, weird. Designers aren't converting. Click on them how far do they get down the funnel? Oh, they only get to step two. Well, where are they coming from? Like all of these questions I start asking and I just click, click, click each step down that funnel. And I see more and more data or more and more insights about, okay, where are we getting blocked? And so these 10 hour, five hour, 10 hour reporting sessions turn into five minutes of me clicking around and going, huh. And then talking with the marketing team, it's like, look what I found. We need to go do this. So. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So what's the next step? So someone's like heard this and they're like, this sounds amazing. I just want to do a recap. Actually, I, I, normally I'm good at this and I realize I haven't been doing today. So overall, what we're saying is it's super important to understand your audience as smaller segments. Like ideally what you do is understand people individually, but then within that, you're going to group them together into segments. So let's say designers, developers, copywriters, and then you look at where are the outliers. So if there's a drop off at a specific point, whether it's in your email click through or it's on the sales page or the checkout page or wherever it is, you find it. Then you can go look for who, where are the outliers? Where are the, if it's converting really well for two segments and really badly for one, why is that? What do we need to do? Once you've mm -hmm. got that information, you could then look at it and let you might decide, well, in that case, we're going to duplicate this step, but only for that segment. And so we're going to send all the designers through to this different version of the sales page with a different version of the checkout page that's got testimonials for them, headline for them, all of the parts yep. are kind of personalized to them, which then is going to lead to a higher conversion rate. And part of the trick with this is being able to ask the questions quickly in order to be able to dig into it or get, right. not ask the questions quickly, get the answers quickly so that you can dig into it. And Google Analytics doesn't allow this because it just gives browser data and everything's anonymous. 
Okay. Exactly. Exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. So if someone's keen to learn more and wants to try Segmetrics out, what's the website address? Where should someone go? Yeah. So segmetrics.io is uh, where we're at. And you go there, you get a 14-day free trial. And during that trial, we have, as I mentioned, we have the kickstart calls, we have the setup calls. If you don't succeed with Segmetrics, then we failed right, is really what it is. And so we do a lot of help to make sure your data is coming in correctly, to teach you how to use the tool, to make sure that you're up and running and getting the value you need to improve your funnel. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're here for. We're here to help people understand what makes people convert in their funnel and how to get more of them. Perfect. All right. If you found the interview useful and you want to get future episodes, subscribe wherever you listened. And thanks so much for coming on. And thanks, thanks so, so much, much for having me. Listening. Have a good one.